0: the Strong Towns podcast. Today I have on the line Juan Muyarat and Steve Wright. They are supporters of Strong Towns who work for an urban design firm called Pluserbia. This firm has done a number of projects around the world, but the one we're focusing on today is the transformation of a Miami highway, Calle Ocho, back into a walkable boulevard. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Can you tell me a little bit about Plus Serbia and how the studio got involved in this project?
1: Yeah, so um, thank you for having us. Uh, this is wonderful uh, opportunity to uh, to put into light uh, a, a project that we feel very strongly about. Um, <clears throat> so we're we're a design firm here in Miami, in in Coconut Grove, to be exact, and. Um, both of us, uh both Steve and I live uh just blocks away from Cayocho and uh, which is southwest eighth street for those uh for those that don't speak Spanish in Miami, uh which are very few. Um but uh we, we feel very strongly because we live very close and it's uh it's our main street. Uh and it's a main street that has been uh, disenfranchised uh for many, many years, for decades, as a matter of fact. And um, we would like to have it back as a main street because we have no other walkable streets, uh, really no other commercial walkable streets in uh, in our area. Uh, so, as a design firm, we felt that it would be um, it would be fantastic if we could put some of our resources uh, in a pro bono um, way and 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 try and design something and put it out into the public and see what the reaction was and how would people. Uh, how what people thought about having a, a more walkable, complete type street um, instead of the current uh, highway that we have.
0: Excellent. So, what's the history of this street? Was it always a highway?
2: That's that's interesting. It's part of something called the Tamiami Trail, which actually goes two hundred seventy-five miles, connecting Tampa with the city of Miami, like seventy-five years ago, all the way through the Everglades and that entire stretch, probably the coolest, most famous, most walkable Main Street part is Calle Ocho, and the only two miles of that entire stretch that have been turned into sort of this three-lane, one-way highway are that, so there's a little bit of an absurdity that obscures the history. So again, going back to your question, up till 50 years ago, give or take, it was a just one-lane-each-way Main Street. You look at the building types. You know, they're classic old three, four-story buildings with retail on the ground floor. It was just Main Street USA that sort of became Cuban American Main Street USA when the Cubans came to Miami fleeing Castro's horrors. And the thing is,
1: the interesting part of this is that um, back in the back in the day, when um, when there was a need for for mobility, for vehicular mobility. Um, the, that's when the the street turned into a three-way one-way. I'm sorry, three-lane one-way street. Um, and then a few years later, they put uh, they they built a, um, a i um, i eight thirty six, uh, which is um, which is a highway just north of that, and it, it does basically the same job. Uh, but once that was built, you know, Cayocho was left with a three-lane one way as a three lane, one way street. Um, so now we have two uh, ways or means to get to downtown from the west of Miami. Um, and one was one which was supposed to substitute the other didn't do so and they just kept both. So uh, we feel that it's, it's now it's the time to, to go back to a two way uh, more pedestrian and, and uh, more pedestrian typology for this street um, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of development happening happening around the area, and uh, and it's it's really a shame that uh, that this street just serves the west of Miami instead of serving Miami itself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you mentioned that there were a lot of classic style buildings, three four stories with uh, businesses below and uh, apartments on top. Are those still there or have those been removed?
2: The answer is both. There are still some wonderful contributing buildings. There's a fellow by the name of Bill Fuller that's done some adaptive reuse in some of those buildings. By the same token, there's a heck of a lot of gaps. I guess it's sort of the worst of both worlds. There's still vacant land that hasn't been redeveloped properly, probably because it's a traffic count world, not a a mixed-use urban world. And there is some development that has been very close to my home on the the western stretch of the, the main core of Cuyocho that has very suburban-like things. There's a There's a Pet Boys that's completely internalized. You just sort of see cement block wall along this famous street that everybody in the world comes to for art and etc. So, very much so, the three-way, the uh, three lanes one way has destroyed a lot of the, the urban feel. Well,
1: and that's the case also in in many parts of the U.S. Right? I mean, you get uh, you get highway highway-like streets, and so highway-like development happens. Um, what's really interesting and it's, you know, it's, it's a great case study. It's, it's, it's terrible to, to walk down, uh, Calle Ocho today, but, but it's a great case study to see highway development next to main street development, you know, sort of coexisting or at least trying to coexist. You've got the, uh, the small signage, you know, for pedestrians and then you've got the big signage for cars that are flying 55 miles an hour. So sort of the juxtaposition of the two is kind of interesting. Um, you know, and yet, you know, I think that it, the, 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 way that, that it, uh, that it, that they live next to each other is not necessarily something that we want to maintain. Um, I think that highway development, yeah. highway development needs to happen next to highways, but Calle is not supposed to be a highway. Uh, and one of the things that came out, out out of the forum that we put together back in October, I think it was,
2: right? Correct. It was October.
1: Um, one of the things that came out out of that forum was that um was that main street calle Ocho, is for people in miami it's for for the locals we need to make it for the locals as well as for people driving by but the thing is this is not a drive-through it's not supposed to be a drive-through street it's supposed to be a destination we want to make it a destination and like steve was saying people like bill fuller uh, and other wonderful developers that are doing some really incredible job in, uh, and really, really incredible work in the area, um, they really are trying. But what's really needed right now is for uh, elected officials, for the Department of Transportation to really take heed and, and, and sort of follow the uh, needs of, 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 of the people living there and, and follow the example of some of these visionary developers.
0: hmm so, what is your guys' vision for the transformation of the street? What do you want it to look like?
1: Something that is not what we have today. <laughs> anything, anything. No. Um, what do we envision? Uh, you know, we, we put some images out there, and uh, we we you know we all love the the the, the Main Street America, right? Uh, and that's that's sort of the inspiration that we used, but but we put them out there. To get a reaction, not to actually make a design. As a matter of fact, we declined a couple of uh, a couple of uh, a couple of times to be part of the teams uh, that would be doing the design, so we could maintain ourselves uh, on a pro bono basis. Um, and we did that for a very simple reason: we wanted to stay uh, totally impartial and sort of help steer this from from the outside rather rather than the inside. Um, so our, our view is not necessarily what needs to happen. Our view and our images were just to were intended to, to raise awareness and, and sort of to, to make sure that people would would, would would see how else it could look like. Um, more to your point, we do envision a two-way. We all know that it works. We all know that it's better for retail. We all know that we need wider streets we need, Um, more uh, transportation options Um, the complete streets movement which by the way florida dot has been a really really good supporter and very strong supporter. they're doing it all over the place Um, they just need to do it here Uh, we just need to make sure that now that there's investment now that there's money uh, that has been put aside to redo this street we need to make sure that that happens and it happens right. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do this twice. Uh, we don't want stakeholders and and, um, um, and taxpayers to pay for this twice. We want to do it right. Or we want to do it once.
0: How do you plan to do this? What does the process look like and where are you at in that process?
2: Just to set the scene a little bit in in Florida, maybe every DOT calls it. There's a thing called pd It's like, Planning, development, and environmental. So they real very much look at, at the impact on the neighborhood, on the demographics, on the future, you know, even water runoff with the environmental, etc. Uh there's a the very large national firm, HNTB, is the prime consultant. They were selected out of a highly competitive process. They are doing their final negotiations right now, probably sometime late first quarter, early second quarter of this year, twenty sixteen, the the outreach will begin with all the, the science and the public meetings. They plan to wind up early 2018, so this is a very long, involved process. So basically, serbia's wow. role is to be the, I guess, sort of the interpreter, the mouthpiece of the community. You know, we obviously we're a multilingual firm, but it, that that's probably a small piece of the pie. It's mainly just, unfortunately, I think FDOT sometimes comes up with these monolithic, monumental traffic count sort of science-speak studies. And I think one of the reasons that it's a joy to work with Plucervia every day is that we're very human termed. We're very mom and pop. We try to be very much non-intimidating. We think, you know, the people with the best knowledge can speak in the simplest terms. So that's our role is basically pro bono unpaid is to just keep refocusing the things on the diversity of the neighborhood and basically serving it democratically. We're the human being, the wheelchair user, the bicyclist, the person waiting for transit has equal standing with the sedan and, and the truck racing by.
1: And on that note, would be remiss not to not to talk about the fact that Calle Ocho is the main street of Little Havana, and Little Havana in itself is a very unique neighborhood. Um, so. And 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 when Steve talks about uh, you know listening to people. You know, this is not something that uh, that this is very unlike any other project that we've ever taken on board. Um And I, I, I say this very carefully and, and I want to make sure that this is clear. Um, about 90 percent of the people living in Little Havana are renters. So their voice is wow. is 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 rarely he- heard Um in addition to the fact that. And I don't know the exact numbers, but I can pretty much assure you that the first language in Little Havana is not English. So most of these pidginese are, you know, I believe that most of the most of the documentation is done in two languages. But there's always the email, there's always the notice that it's you know is just in English, and and people are left out. Right. So so it's very important to to listen to the community, and in this case, you know, the the stakeholders. Uh, are not just the owners and are not just the the the, the merchants uh, but rather you know very diverse group of people from all over the world that live there and uh, they don't necessarily have the time or the or or know that there's a public meeting happening
2: right it's it just a dovetail on that i i had worked for a city commissioner that represented this area and that's when i came fresh from Ohio, very monolingual, very idealistic, and working with that fellow by the name of Joe Sanchez helped me it taught me a lot about the essence of things because I had come from suburban, homogenous English speaker, you know, whatever, eighth generation American, and which is kind of all the opposite of the core of, of 8th Street. And, you know, I learned, you put it on the internet, that's wonderful, it's a tool, but if it's an elderly population, maybe they only sign on on their phone to talk with their granddaughter in Tennessee or something. They may not be doing voting online or even where you hold it. If you hold it at some FDOT central station that's five miles away from the core district, you're probably going to get one person from the true community. Uh, You know, everyone has a perfect car and everyone wants to take six bus transfers to get to some, which for what it's worth, the FDOT district that plans for this area is very far flung on the suburbs, very far from the core area, and or even like that. A lot of these folks go to these senior centers, uh, which also have cafeterias. They're they're called comedores in in Spanish, and those are just a huge gathering center. If you want to really reach out to the people whose lives are going to be impacted from the older immigrants that sort of made what the new Miami is down to their grandkids, you need to do that. So it's It might not be the typical Midwestern, just go to the central library and have it at X time o'clock. You know, so that there are just so many nuances into really, really getting public involvement and making it meaningful, not just nominal.
0: Right. That's a good point. I mean, even in those Midwestern small towns, your insights might still be applicable Um, I certainly don't feel like I'm always aware of all the public meetings that are going on in my neighborhood. And I try to be like pretty engaged in all that. Um, That's interesting that you brought up the fact that 90% of the neighborhood is renters. I, I can't think of very many other cities, you know, besides like New York or Chicago or something where that would be the case. Um, Does that change how you do the public involvement process?
1: Well, Absolutely. Um, it, it has to. But uh, but but let me let me put things in perspective. We are not uh, we are not officially doing the public outreach. We are you know, we're trying very hard uh, uh, to do it on a, uh, you know, after hours. Uh, that is the job of DOT. That is the job of the consultant that they hired to do this pd and we just hope that it's going to be done the right way, and, and we will maintain, uh, you know, we will stay involved to make sure that it, that is done in the right way. Um, Little Havana has been disenfranchised for decades. Uh, it's an inner, it's, a, it's an inner city neighborhood, you know, pure pure and simple. It's uh, it's one of those that we read on tech, in textbooks, you know, the 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 the, the, the gritty inner neighbor inner, inner city neighborhood that uh, that functions very much uh, in a in a hermetic way uh, if I may use that word Um, and and the reason why I say hermetic is because for one is the language barrier and number two is uh, it's very much uh, like in the olden ways you know if you're not from there you're you're not going to know what's what's going on Um, and and obviously like I said the language is a huge uh, is a huge thing Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, um, so what I, there's a lot of suburban flight and there's a lot of people moving back into these inner cities. I'm one of them. I moved uh, to the area a, a few years ago. Um, Steve has been there has been there longer, uh, but I am one of those people moving back closer to the city. And I and I, I we, my family and I did it for a, for a very simple reason is you know and and you know I'm sure that I'm not the first one to say this. Uh, it's location, location, location. We are extremely close to downtown. As a matter of fact, we're the closest uh, neighborhood, residential neighborhood uh, to downtown and and the business district, which is called Brickell. Um, and so there is an inherent um, advantage to living in the, uh, close to downtown these days. The one disadvantage, though, is that transportation keeps on, or investment in transportation keeps on being from the suburbs to the city instead of... Okay. And, and sort of bypassing, in a way, the inner city. There's no, real, um, there's no real transportation solution for short trips. And what I mean by that is that but there, there are some, and there's, there has been some investment in Little Havana in that, in that respect. There's uh, some of those uh, bike shares. Um, Uber obviously helps. Um, but short trips are extremely important, and they're going to become much more important as time goes on. And as people move back into these inner cities. Um so so I, I just wanted to, to make sure that uh that this is that, that this is clear. This is an inner city suburb. This has been uh, totally disenfranchised, uh the infrastructure is failing, uh the the place is crime ridden. Uh, I mean, everything that you can imagine when you when you have one of your worst nightmares about uh, being dropped in the middle of a city and really, you know, getting really scared. That's Little Havana at night. Um, Uh But there's a lot of efforts from the community to change this. And we are already seeing change. We just hope that this infrastructure also uh, going back to Calle Ocho, that it's about from Calle Ocho, from where we're at to the downtown, it's it's not necessarily from the suburb to the city. It's now becoming much more important the transportation solutions uh, for close uh, proximity uh, neighborhoods to the to their destinations, to the commute uh, to their commute destinations.
0: Well, and it sounds like making the street more walkable would potentially help with some of the you know you said oh it's like a scary neighborhood at night or whatever. Um, having more people out walking and things like that.
1: Maybe I'm overplaying it. It's not that. It's not that bad. It's not. Uh, okay. It's really it's, not that bad. It's and it's. It's really. One, the people are really wonderful. Um, the the place is 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 really turning, turning faster than 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 we can even realize.
2: True. I, I think what one was saying is it's kind of a checkerboard, which I think you probably have with the area that was once sort of one of the first inner ring. Neighborhoods outside of the city core, but very close to it, and then you get that typical thing where, unfortunately, for so long, cities have really sponsored sprawl or supported so code enforcement gets neglected there, way overuse. You know, eight people in a unit meant for two gets ignored. Uh, Illegal dumping sort of gets a blind eye. Just all these things, and then you look around and it's junky, or there's gaps in the teeth, or there's three blocks that are sort of frightening. You know, while you're walking to the good theater or the the rehabbed nightclub or what have you. That's very cool and essential. So it's just, again, there's a lot of unique things in little bit. That's probably true for darn near every core city where you had that whole fifties to seventies, you know, redesigned streets to get you out of town as quick as possible. And so, this trip, uh, this group this yeah. is what we love about it. Oh,
1: it's as a matter of so, fact, uh, we moved there because of the character uh, and I'll give you another, another fun fact. Um, we, we did a study last year, and we, we realized that Little Havana, which is, by the way, mostly bungalows, one-story bungalows and three-story uh, apartment buildings. Uh, if Little Havana was its own municipality, it would be the fifth densest in the U.S. Um, wow. So So wow. it's much denser than all those skyscrapers because it's much tighter. And by the way, that's based on the 2010 census. Which doesn't take into account all those additional units uh, from that that we have in Little Havana that are unaccounted for. Um, so it's a really, it's it's a, in terms of character and in terms of uh, in terms of the way that the, the things that we love about Little Havana in part are those things that don't work, things that are broken that make it so unique. Little Havana has
2: a very pleasurable chaos. I mean, again, I am just as Ex urban, homogenized kid as could ever have been born into the exurbs of Cleveland, Ohio, come to Little Havana. And my wife and I, we had kind of gotten tired of, of the burbs in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and, you know, way more than the sand, surf, and weather that draws a lot of people to Miami. It was the clash of cultures, the diversity. I, I'll just give you a few examples. There are There are these retrofitted trucks that roll up with every tropical fruit known to mankind. They're probably totally unlicensed. They're probably not blessed by the county health board or whoever it is that oversees that. But when one of those rolls up a couple blocks from you and you go down and you buy Mongo, a third of the price it is at the supermarket and it tastes juicier, or you learn of some, I don't know, some star fruit or some jackfruit or something that you didn't even know existed in the Midwest, even at the most gourmet grocer, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a person on earth that would complain about whatever, a little bit of the exhaust of the truck. Uh, there's also a thing called the afilador, which I had no idea what it is. It's basically Spanish for knife sharpener. Uh, and and when you're in little Havana, you have bougainvillea around your thing, which you know, you don't you don't grow bougainvillea, you tame it. And you uh-huh. just, you know, there's these folks that come up on these strange little old fam, former ice cream trucks with probably 800,000 miles on them and a generator in the back, which is probably not the greatest thing, but they stop for five minutes and for like five bucks, they sharpen your machete so you can go out and cut back your bougainvillea or you can slice a coconut in half and give coco frio. You're basically just cold coconut water to your neighbor kids. I mean, just how cool is that? That's like the kind of thing that you, whatever, spend 400 a night at a hotel and $1,200 for airfare and fly half around the world to see it's right outside your door in Little Havana. So the, just the... The diversity, the, the 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 again, sort of that, that pleasurable chaos. All those good bones are there. If we could retain that fun chaos while strengthening the street, we you know, we've done the miracle work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've wanted to visit that neighborhood for a long time. I've never been to Miami at all, but I've wanted to go there. Um, it sounds pretty amazing. So yeah, let's talk about what is your guys' personal connections. Have you both been living there for a while?
1: Uh, Actually, Steve, you want to take that? Okay, I'll go ahead first.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, my wife and I just kind of went crazy. She, uh, we, we were both had vested at our jobs in Ohio, and and my wife happens to be a wheelchair user. She has rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, She's also an attorney by training, probably ten times more bright and wonderful than the person you're speaking to, as one of her previous Strong Towns (laughs) podcasts would reveal. But uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Heidi, she's an expert on ADA and etc. But in love of my life. But anyhow. We just sort of did that mid-career, you know, are we going to die in the homogenized burbs in winter of Ohio? Or are we going to roll the dice? And, you know, I guess you could go to Scottsdale where, you know, the people from the burbs go, or you try something very chaotic and interesting. And we came to Miami, and it's rewarded us unbelievably. But by that same token, we were very drawn to Little Havana. Certainly, we wanted to sort of get a house that had good bones but demo it and make it accessible for her to, to redo things for wheelchair use. Certainly the housing stock is outstanding, especially south of of Calle Ocho, and the price point was certainly a lot better than the Burbs, and we're not big on spending half our lives behind the, the wheel of a Toyota commuting, but bottom line, we were attracted to the potential of 8th Street, and unfortunately, I think we've been there almost 15 years, the house almost paid off. Um, she cannot cross it safely, uh. There's an area, it's sort of a, I guess it'd be roughly the 13th to 15th Avenue block of Kayocho. It's like a three or four block area. That's by far the most, the more historic buildings have stayed. There's been more reinvestment. There's galleries, really good bars, not you know cruddy, beat'em up bars. There's restaurants. There's a historic Art deco theater that has programming all day long and subtitles and foreign films and events. So that's kind of the cool apex of the whole deal. And crossing there, even with a light in a painted crosswalk, my wife has almost been run down. And I don't know that so much. I believe it, yeah. And and it's, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, drivers are evil or people in their sedans are piggish. But I think a lot of it's the design. When you give someone three lanes and you have very, you have no mid-block crossings that are not regular street lights, And, you know, you just, for 50 years, it's like, this is to get my rear end from... Whatever the edge of the Everglades all the way into the core of Miami or or to get on the highway to go Miami Beach. You just develop this mentality that humans should not get in my way.
0: So Right I only expect to encounter cars along my path.
2: And this feels like a highway. I happen to like it more than my highway. And again, you know, we all have the thing of the texting driver or the late forward driver, and that contributes, but I really think it's just that that design, that that whole let's suburbanize the most urban part of Miami, foolish mentality that subjects her to the the dangers.
0: What is what does an intersection look like that is much safer for her to cross? Like what what is the ideal intersection for a wheelchair user?
2: She's more the expert than me, but certainly just that that two way traffic, it's odd. But you know, maybe you'd think she'd have to look both ways, but that tends to slow people down where you don't have. Three sedans abreast, all hell bent for leather. Um, Certainly, just a wider sidewalk. uh, You know, narrower lanes. You know, I I don't know what a typical. I certainly know, like something that's a ten or eleven foot wide lane for a car versus thirteen makes them feel a little condensed. So, just naturally, they're going to be closer to the speed limit. Um, But let's make sure that it's
1: also clear that the two way, and the fact that cars go slower doesn't mean that there's less volume. That's that's such a misconception. So, you know. Yes, for, for pedestrians and wheelchair users and everybody else, but for cars, I mean, I, there's, there's there's so many studies that have been done in terms of slower speed provides more volume. So if we're talking about cars per minute, uh, you know, crossing or going through Little Havana, we're not sacrificing volume. We're not telling, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not advocating for less cars. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I, I drive a huge uh, truck and I love it. Okay, and and I walk for pleasure, um, but I I also drive for pleasure. So it, this is not about less cars. This is not about uh, sacrificing the the vehicles uh, going through. This is about equality. This is about a balance. This is about providing you know maintaining a, a, a corridor for commuting. Yes, but also providing an area for uh, entertainment, an area for uh for for walking i have two daughters and thank god i don't have to push the double stroller anymore but when i did last year going down Calle Ocho on on a you know on a 10 foot uh, sidewalk um uh, right. that sometimes
2: shrinks to a 6 foot sidewalk right, with, when, so.
1: with with the obstructions of the trees and the uh, bus stops and the uh, merchants taking half of it away you know at the end of the day you just can't you just can't do it this is about Striking a balance for all mobility, we want better better public transportation, whether it be trolleys, buses, uh, or tandem bikes. I don't know what, what or tuk tuks. I don't mm-hmm. whatever it is. We want uh, we want uh, more, you know, more options. We want more uh, better sidewalks for pedestrians, safer sidewalks for pedestrians. And to to Steve's point, the parallel parking. Granted. The, the biggest the biggest advantage is the barrier that that not only physically but psychologically it makes for the for the pedestrians that to feel safe but also for merchants right i mean merchants have to have that parallel parking in front i mean you know and, and as a driver as a as, as, as a as a person that drives a big truck i love to be able to park in front of a store
2: oh, yeah. and, uh, and for what it's worth Cayocho, some of the a handful of the newer suburban style infill development has its lots but most of the things that are the most fun to go there, whether it's a little bakery or a little bar, or a little tavern, little there's a couple of little Spanish language theaters. They don't have off street parking. So, yeah. yeah, if you couldn't get, you know, 16 of your patrons, a dozen of your patrons around the corner on the on street, they would die. I mean, the very yeah. vibrancy that we love, we would be cutting the throat yeah. of if we said make this some sort of a. You know, pedestrian mall way with no cars. So yeah, it's it's just it's so much about balance. It's not trying to force one way or the other. It's just restoring the natural balance that yeah. it used to have as a main street for yeah. decades.
1: Yeah, a pure main street by definition has that that parking in front of the store. It has the the walkable uh, the walk walkable sidewalks, and it has by definition cars driving through it. You well, know?
2: and there's one other issue with the with the, the one way three lane that I think has prevented some of the infill development that the little Havana is so perfectly suited for. i give an example. I, again, I've lived just a stone's throw from the thing for a decade and a half of my life. That's a significant amount of time. I'm a real big buy local guy. Sometimes I go to the last mom and pop hardware store instead of the giant chain one. Yeah. You know, with the one way, if you miss your spot, you got to double back, you know, four times oh, yeah. to get back. Yeah, then you yeah. still got to hunt. And if you're in the left lane, you still gotta get across two more lanes to park on the right side. And I bet you there's who knows, there's probably thousands of dollars that local merchants have lost out of my pocket because I'm headed I'm headed eastbound. I know I, I you know I snooze for a second, I miss my spot, and I just go home. And I think one of the things that we probably left out to explain is that Seventh Street, which is just an immediate block north, is also Three, three lanes yeah. westbound so it's sort of like you yeah. know the ones your morning commute de facto highway and the others your and you with, know get out of town afternoon and highway we, and with barely any commercial and that's
1: another yeah. another great point steve and uh and to take it just a little further you know nobody shops in the morning and the the interesting thing is that calle ocho which is the heavy commercial uh street um it it heads east into downtown So your commute is a morning commute through all these stores, which are missing out on all these, um, on all these drivers and pedestrians and bicyclists that go through it because you, you don't pick up your milk, your gallon of milk in the morning. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. you pick it up in the evening. So people leave the downtown and the, and the brickle area in the evening on, on 7th street, which has, if I'm mistaken, the only thing there is a CVS. Uh, and there's nothing else. Everything else is residential. That's another one that has suffered a lot. It, it is a residential street. You've got single-family dwellings with a five-foot sidewalk and three lanes of traffic and no parking, no parallel yeah, parking. They, I mean, 7th Street is even worse, in my opinion. But, you know, we can do a different uh, podcast for that one. Yeah. I
2: was going to say that, yeah, with 7th, they took so much right-of-way to make that the westbound commuter highway that... Another problem you get is that some of those, and they are almost all single family homes, and some of them have, you know, maybe four or five adult residents. So you get cars parked with their rear end out over the sidewalk. You get people waiting to pick up someone who they've got to get out of that highway-like condition, so they park over top of the sidewalk. So again, just the old lady coming back with the shopping cart almost has to go out into the street because there's cars obstructing the sidewalk. So you even get more of that threatening of the of the kind of urban condition. So you know, maybe when a family wants to buy a home and come back into the city, that, that frightening right of way, that almost no defendable turf on the part that where you live on, so you're you're killing that. You know, you're 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 encouraging them to go to sprawl instead of resettling the urban area.
1: Our goal, Rachel, and if I can you know just give you a my my two sentence my pitch, we wanna ask that Abuelita how Calle Ocho needs to look, okay? Because we feel that there has been barely any uh, outreach right now, and it's that you know, and there's a an aging population, uh, and there's you know, I see it all the time, uh, uh, people with people walk, with with walkers or with canes trying to cross these highways. It, it's 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 um, you know, it's like the Berlin Wall there. You know, for somebody with a with a, with a cane trying to cross a street that has no crosswalks or barely any crosswalks. Um, And even those crosswalks, as as Steve was saying, you know, they're just optional, right? You know, the the red lights are just optional. And that's how people feel when – that's how I feel when I drive. I'm going to put myself as as, as one of the bad guys because I I am sometimes, you know. And I think that we all – you know, Miami's uh, driving uh, is only comparable to to the Romans uh, in Rome, right? I mean, we're the worst drivers in uh, in the U.S. Um, and uh, yeah, we make
2: left turns out of the right lane like serially.
1: Yeah, no, and, and red, red lights are red lights are just optional, yeah. just like in Coyote. So we need extra help here too. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. need to ask all these abuelitas, all these, uh, all these, all the elderly, mm-hmm. all the, you know, the merchants, we, you know, everybody needs to weigh in. As a matter of fact, we've, we've recently put out a, uh, a, uh, a website for, for online signatures. It's, it's, I, Steve hates it when I say it, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, I want to, I want to make it sort of, um, Ex-residents unite, you know. Cubans unite uh, for a for a cause. Um, But in reality, you know, what we really want is to make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody gives gives their opinion as to what this thing needs to look like. And it's 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 about a balance. It's making sure that everybody's heard.
2: Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that when we first did some of our TV radio interviews with this, I think there might have been a little misconception that complaining with what dot did 50 years ago is engineer bashing. And I really think part of our movement from a professional standpoint, it's engineer empowering. You know, we're not we're not here to knock anyone's profession. We, we understand that they have standard manuals. Most of those manuals, unfortunately, are very dominant towards capacity as in how many cars per minute. And the interesting thing is, as we've sort of taken this initiative, a lot of professional engineers that we maybe knew very casually but didn't know that well. We've gone to lunch with, we've gone to breakfast, we've walked the area. And to a person, whether they're older, younger, male, female, Hispanic, whatever, they all say, you know, we're itching to do these urban corridors that move enough cars for commuter hour but also have a bike lane, whether it's on the main drag or the adjacent street, that have cool sidewalks, that have vibes. I mean, let's face it, these are the same – Professionals that are going to a play, or they're getting their steak, or they're getting their café con leche, so they know what it's about. So, by no means do we want to bash the profession or say they're so stupid or so obstinate that they can't do cool things. It's really just about giving, giving a public and a political platform for them to do the innovations that they're aware of. So, it's again, it's it's not an us versus them. It's a it's an inclusiveness across disenfranchised neighborhood and against across the profession that could all unify to make something great.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So, uh, we're almost out of time, but Juan, I wanted to go back and hear about like, what's your background in the neighborhood and how did you end up here?
1: I had a perfect answer for that, and i forgot um, okay. no no i I'll give you the answer so so my wife and I uh, always wanted to move into uh, into an older neighborhood and and actually i don't know if you're familiar that last year uh, in June uh, little Havana was put as one of the eleventh most endangered places in the u s
0: okay
1: by by the historic preservation. You know, in terms of historic preservation, um, and there's there's such a great collection of 1920s uh, buildings in in Little Havana and in uh, and in the surrounding areas that we just fell in love with the with the style and the architecture. Um, and we moved there just three years ago, especially because of the proximity to my wife's job. She was uh, the historic preservation officer at the city of Miami. Um, and, um, and so the commute, you know, we were, we were used to commuting about, uh, an hour and a half to two hours or she was, uh, and we turned that to a five minute commute. That's amazing. Which means that, you know, and I don't have to, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I know your listeners know this, but it means more time with, with our kids. It means more time at home. It means more time at the office, believe it or not. You know, I, I won't say that to my wife, but it, it does, it, uh, it um, it means more living and less driving, so at the end of the day, that's that's the main reason. We fell in love with the architecture. We fell in love with the place. It's a it's a you know it's a it's an area that's being transformed, um, and and you know the next step is this Cayocho. We're we're already moving forward with historic preservation. We are moving forward with uh, community involvement, um, and we just need infrastructure to catch to catch up. With all the efforts that are being done on the private level by developers that have a vision, by residents that are moving into the area, by people, you know, planting a tree, mm-hmm. private efforts are being done. And we need, you know, the powers that be to match those efforts so that they don't, you know, so that the, 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 the neighborhood is not lopsided. We can't have a beautiful private, uh, private realm without a beautiful public realm. They go hand in hand, and we need both private stakeholders and public uh, officials to, to get behind us.
0: I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier about this neighborhood being somewhat disconnected, especially transit-wise. Is that correct? And if so, do you envision that transit will be incorporated into the redesign of Calle Ocho?
1: It's connected via uh, public transportation and it's connected via private transportation. And by that, what I mean is that when people don't have public options, they find a different way. And there are a lot of, um, let's say, uh, unvetted buses, We, we call those chutneys here. And there are little uh, vans that drive up and down and pick people up, and, and so it's, it's it's fairly well connected. But the 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 reason why the reason why we feel that there needs to be more transportation options is because most of the transport most of the public transportation options that we have in Little Havana um, are those that connect much larger uh, distances. Uh, originally, this public this these transportation options that we have. Uh, that, that were put in place we're connecting suburbs to cities and what we need now with the new trends of, of people moving back to the inner cities is shorter distance transportation options. By that what I mean is more bike shares, more uh, more options for people to move from uh, from the inner neighborhood into the city. So in a way, what what I'm getting at is that we're not asking for huge investments from federal government to resolve our transportation problems. Their solutions uh, their solutions might be very simple, uh, because the distances are very short. Uh, so we're it's not about creating you know the Hoover Dam again. It's about you know it's about uh, it's about uh, creating some some uh, or, or or coming up with some solutions that will will bring people. From one side of the highway to the other side of the highway. Don't forget that Little Havana. For those of, of for those of your listeners that don't know it, uh, Little Havana is 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 uh, um, is right outside of the highway. It's right outside of that ring road that most American cities have. That uh, was built to bypass the downtowns. So you have the downtown, you have uh, Brickle and then you have I ninety five, and just outside of it, uh, between the river and I ninety five. That's where little Havana is, so literally all you need to do is connect both sides of the highway now that 's not that's not a huge endeavor, and yet most of the transportation efforts that we see are long distance as a matter of fact one of the i'll just leave you with an anecdote, but one of the comments that we had um that that came up just after our our forum where we invited stakeholders uh, of little Havana back in October. Uh, one of the comments that I, that, that I heard was, well, what are you going to do with, uh, with my commute time? I drive two and a half hours from almost outside the county into downtown. And if you change Calle Ocho, then you're going to, you're going to make, you know, you're going to make my commute a lot longer. To which I replied, look, if, if you live in the outskirts and if you want a big plot of land, and still work downtown, that's your choice. And your choices come with consequences. If you choose to live in suburbia, your commute is gonna be longer. So either you move closer to the downtown to have a a shorter commute, or have a longer commute and have a beautiful big yard. I choose a small yard, and believe me, it's small. But I, I gave up the yard in order to have a short commute. So, it's about the choice of people. People make choices and they have their consequences and As people move back to the inner city, the government needs to start supporting those people that that are inside the city as well as those people that are outside and still live in suburban a suburban life.
0: I completely agree. We'll need to wrap up pretty soon here. Is there anything you guys want to add before we close
1: i I'd like to to Call, uh, on everybody to see if, if, um, if they do believe in the future of uh, the city and if they do believe in complete streets, to go on the website that we put together, which is mycalleocho.org. And that's mycalleocho, the number eight, uh, dot org. Um, and sign up the petition, which we are going to be sending to, uh, public officials, uh, senators, and especially we're going to be sending this to the secretary of, uh, of, uh, FDOT, Florida Department of Transportation. As soon as we reach our goal of, well, right now I have a very short goal of 500 people, but if many, if more people sign up, the better. So if we can reach high numbers, that would be fantastic. We'll, you know, the petition is, is, uh, is, um, is done so that we can show uh, our elected officials that people do care and people do care not only about uh, infrastructure that takes you from A to B, uh, but also as, as a destination. Streets can be destinations and we can make uh, really livable streets where, um, where people stay and shop and, and, and really become a center. Calle Ocho already is a center. Calle Ocho is already a cultural center for Miami, um, and the infrastructure needs to support that.
0: Absolutely. Steve, do you have anything to add?
2: I think Juan really nailed it.
0: Okay, Juan and Steve, thank you so much for talking to us today, um, and thank you for doing this project in your city. Um, it sounds like a very promising endeavor to help improve your neighborhood.
2: Thank you much, Rachel. Thank you for having
1: us, Rachel.